Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Michael Preston. Yeah, I think we all uh, feel a little like Leslie Nielsen in uh, Naked Gun after uh, this weekend. Yeah, a little much. It was a little much. Welcome back to the Cook Center Hour. Uh, we'll talk about the football game um, in a little bit. And we have Brian Howell from BuffZone.com to talk about the next football game uh, against the Colorado Buffaloes uh, here in a little bit. Um, I mean, we got to start out with the AD search. Right? <laughs> we have to start out with Bill Moose. We did our emergency podcast on Sunday, and I think I've just further ruminated on everything and kind of further digested everything and... I'm still in the same place generally that I was Sunday night. I think I reacted quickly, as we all have a tendency to do uh, in the moment, and placed a lot of blame at the feet of President Kirk Schultz. I just don't think that's the case anymore. I think, I really do think, and I've come around to the fact that it's just, it's a case of everybody's to blame and nobody's to blame. Moose leaving is everyone's fault and it's no one's fault, if that makes any sense. Got offered a contract that could be worth up to like $7 million over the five-year life of it. And at a school with a massive budget. And at a school where he's probably just going to have to hire a football coach and sit back and relax. I can't really blame him, especially if what is true. And Kirk Schultz today didn't say anything about it in his press conference. We'll go over that in a little bit too. Didn't say anything about whether, whether he had had asked for an extension. But even if he had, I doubt he would have been paid as much as he is now at Nebraska. So from that standpoint, I can't really blame him. And I also, you know, now get, you know, you had to do a lot of this in secret. I don't like not tell, not at least telling your president and your football coach ahead of time. Like, hey, I'm going to go do this. I don't like them finding out the same way everybody else has to. I don't particularly care for that. But at the same time, this is everybody's fault. It's nobody's fault. Kirk Schultz didn't hire Bill Moose. And Bill Moose is used to operating on an athletics budget that allows him a lot of freedom to spend money. And I'm putting that politically, in a politically correct way. Allows him a lot of freedom to go out and spend a lot of money that the school, frankly, just doesn't have. And Kirk Schultz's job is to rein in the budgeting a bit at Washington State. For all the wonderful things Elson Floyd did for this school. And trust me, there are many wonderful things he did. And I will forever be thankful for that man being the president of Washington State University. Budgeting and financials just wasn't one of them. And that's fine. Didn't need to be. We had things that we needed to get done. But at the same time, I kind of came around to this yesterday a little bit, I think. And I, I think it summarizes my feelings on it well. What was there left for Bill Moose to do at Washington State? What was left for him to do? Cougar football project was built. Football operations building was built. Mike Leach had been hired. Ernie Kent had been hired. He'd hired soccer coaches, golf coaches, track coaches, a baseball coach. What more was there for him to do other than maybe the baseball clubhouse and the indoor practice facility? 
But even then, the fundraising installed on that. It's not as if, you know, apparent, and apparently now we're finding out, it's not as if fundraising was exactly Bill Moose's specialty. He certainly made it better than it had been before. But Kirk Schultz even said today, fundraising needs to be a priority for the new athletic director. This was probably the right time for Bill Moose to go. And I realize, we, you know, we can play the, well, you know, we didn't need him anyway, and yeah, 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 game, whatever. But it really probably was. I mean, I mean, legitimately, what else was there for him to do at Washington State? What else was there for him to do for his alma mater? Other than keep its football coach happy, which is admittedly a big thing. What more was there for him to do? Not much. Better fundraising? Sure. But again, I'm generally of the mind that 10 years is a pretty good maximum amount of time for an athletic director to be at an institution and Bill Moose was now over 7. He had hit 7 this past April. And if he was truly getting an offer that big at an institution like Nebraska, alright. That's fine. No hard feelings, I guess. It just sucks in the moment to... You know, yeah, I you know we all get emotional, and I and I and I you know said things on Twitter that I don't I don't regret saying, but that you know I wasn't thinking about as clearly as you know maybe I should have been. You know, oh Kirk Schultz is to blame for this. Well, Bill Moose isn't his guy, and you know if he's not your guy, he's not your guy. Now that all depends on who you hire, and we'll get to that again here in a second. But that's just its kind of how it goes. If he ain't your guy, he ain't your guy. And if you need someone who is going to be more cooperative with getting athletics out of a deficit, which it really should be. That should be a goal of the athletic department is to not operate in the red. That should be a goal. If Bill Moose doesn't want to do that, then he's not your guy. Just how it goes. So let's spend some time uh, on Kirk Schultz's presser. Uh, he gave this on Tuesday. If you're not listening to it today, he gave it on Tuesday. Uh, he confirmed uh, that he found out, just like everybody else, that Moose was leaving. Uh, and he did talk to Bill, who said it was important to be kept confidential, said there was no hard feelings uh, in regards to that. Um, he spent about an hour with Mike Leach and an hour with the other coaches on Tuesday. And I saw some people wondering why he didn't do it Monday. He was in Seattle for a fundraiser or like a scholarship luncheon or something. Can't just drop everything to come back and, you know, talk to your football coach. Can't do that. And also, keeping in mind that search committee, which I think is a pretty good mix of people, um, especially when you get a current coach on there, you get uh, you get Jack Thompson on there, you get uh, the student representative for student-athletes, you get the faculty rep, and you get a couple of big donors. That's a pretty good mix of people. But you don't just drop everything to come back. You, I mean, it's impossible. And Mike Leach should not be on that committee. He is a little busy with other things to do. He said he's going to keep Mike Leach informed. He said he's going to keep him informed every step of the way. And that's an important thing to do. If you, This is a guy you want to keep. And this is what he said today. Quote, we love him being here. He's done a lot for WSU. And we are committed to doing what is needed, unquote, to keep him here. He says all the right things. 
says all the right things in that regard. That, yeah, they're going to do whatever they can to keep Mike Leach in Pullman, keep him happy in Pullman. And that probably means keeping him in the loop on the AD search. I don't think that's, you know, I, I don't think we ever had a question as to whether that was going to happen. That, that was absolutely what needed to happen. He is the, he's in charge of the public face of your most visible thing in the university. Yeah, you're going to keep him informed. Like, duh. That's how that goes. Said they expect to have a new AD by February 1st, and it'll be a closed search. Don't blame them. Don't blame them at all. It's pretty much how that's got to go. Pretty much everything he said today passed the test of, you know, this is what you need to say today. This is what you do need to do to reassure people that things are headed in the right direction and that you are wanting to make the best hire possible for Washington State University and that things are going to be okay. I know a lot of people were taking out a lot of vitriol at him on Sunday, wanting him fired, yada, yada, yada. No. <laughs> you don't fire a university president over an AD leaving. And more importantly, like I said on Sunday, I almost think it's important... You know, Mike Marlowe has certainly has been learning from Bill Moose for a long time. But it's almost important to go completely outside the department. Go completely outside Washington State University to make this hire. There are lots of people working in that athletic department who went to Washington State. They understand what you need to do at Washington State. But we need, we really do need someone to improve fundraising. We need someone to come in and be able to take kind of a high in the sky look above the athletic department and understand what is right what is wrong with how things are being run you don't need a true coog whatever the hell that means to do that and yeah it is important to get the athletic department out of a deficit because once you do that once you increase fundraising and once you get out of that deficit you start making money and paying back money that they owe the university. And that's important at a school like WSU where your operating budget is so small as it is. Said all the right things today. And I went from being a little scared Sunday night of what the hell was going to happen to pretty confident that they're probably going to get this right. Taking some time, hiring a search firm, taking four months or you know we're talking about three and a half months right now if it's february 1st taking three and a half months to find the right person and john johnson's been at wazoo for so long and he has ad experiences the athletic department's in good hands with him still here the one thing you worry about is if mike leach decides to take another job in the offseason because now you're hamstrung with john johnson having to make the decision of who to hire and not the new athletic director. That is honestly what worries me. That's the biggest worry. Everything that we've heard Kirk Schultz say, that we heard Mike Leach say on Monday at his presser, though, I you know publicly indicates that he wants to stay here. And that's a very good thing. And Kirk Schultz would do well to make Mike Leach as happy as he can be. And but and again, that is what he said today. We're doing whatever we can to keep him here. 
Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes to keep him here. That is the biggest thing to me, is continuity on this football team. Because Bill Moose was a big part of the reason why Mike Leach ended up at Wazoo in the first place. And now he is gone. That is the scariest thing to me. That is what worries me most. And what worries me more is now you have to, you know, if he does leave, now you're counting on an interim AD probably to make that hire because you need to make it before signing day. You need to make it early. You can't wait for the new athletic director to do it. You certainly can't expect a new athletic director to come in and, oh, by the way, first thing you need to do is hire a coach for a Pac-12 football team. That's a worry. That's the big concern. But again, I've I've kind of come around to, you know, the whole this is this is everyone's fault and it's no one's fault. And it's unfair to lay it at the feet of any one person. And maybe it was just time for Moose to be done at Washington State. Maybe he'd done everything he could do. And I re- you know, maybe it is, it's, you know, is, I'm trying to search for the word here, but maybe I'm, you know, just applying that logic to make myself feel better. But it's how it feels 48 hours later almost. That Bill Moose had done everything he could do at Washington State. Maybe it was just time for him to move on. And that's fine. That's fine. Just got to nail this, Kirk. <laughs> kind of got to nail this higher. Kind of really got to get it right. Like, big time. By the way, dude comes on the job, what, just over a year ago? Robert Barber thing, which I, you know, admittedly, I think he could have handled much better. And now this. <laughs> That's a lot to do in your first, like, 15 months on the job. All right, we'll talk. I guess we'll talk about that football game. So let me prepare myself and probably pour the whole bottle of bourbon into the glass. Mm. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that when we come back here. Let's Let's talk about that stupid friggin' football game. <laughs> uh, I've never had, you know, just the emotions you go from Renard Bell housing it, being called back for a penalty. And I think in the back of my mind, I kind of went, yeah, yeah, that, uh, it's about how that's maybe gonna go. About how that's maybe gonna go. Everything, literally everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game. Literally everything. 
five interceptions from Luke Falk, two more turnovers, damn near double-digit sacks from Cal. And it's not as if you look at the stat sheet, you know, like, oh, yeah, Cal should have walloped him in that game. Uh-huh. If you look at it, and I apologize for having it pulled up, you're having to hear me type there. But if you look up the stats from that game, again, it's not like, you know, you think Cal should have killed them. It's not, it's, it's just not a, you know, 140 yards on the ground, 259 through the air. WSU had 97 yards on the ground, and I'm not going to take sack yardage out because that's just stupid. 314 yards through the air, relatively the same. You know, it, it just, it doesn't look like a stat sheet where you go, if, if all you had to look at was the box score, and I could put a little finger over the INT box for Luke Falk, you'd say, yeah, no, that, 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 that was a close game. But just an abhorrent effort turnover-wise. Five picks. I mean, my God. By the way, what what perfect proof that time of possession just does not matter. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. WSU had the ball for five more minutes. Had the ball for five more minutes. Got their ass kicked. Seven turnovers, one fumble return for a touchdown. It just... I mean, the punts were awful. The passing game was awful the running game wasn't very good I just what more is there even to say like I said yeah like I said we're going to talk about this football game and I I don't want to make excuses I don't want to make excuses for this football team because there's no there's just no excusing a performance like that even on a short week coming off a road game even though you're facing Justin Wilcox who probably had your number when he was at UW and Bo Baldwin who certainly had your number when he was at Eastern by the way, I should have totally remembered that. There's, there's just no excusing that. None. None. No excusing it. Absolutely got molly whooped in every phase of the game. And so it, it's, it's almost just easier, like Jeff said on Monday. Just flush it and forget about it because... That is as bad or worse than you will see them all year. And I did say this on Friday night, granted with a little help from our friend Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. But that was, in person, the worst performance from a WSU football team I've ever watched. And I still am okay with saying that. Yeah, there were worse performances in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Numbers-wise. But from a team you expected so much of, number eight in the country, six and zero coming into that game, a team who had been, you know, beaten USC two weeks ago at home, pretty thoroughly beaten Oregon the week before. You expected more. Like if they had lost the game close, okay, peace with that. That's an upset. Air quality was terrible. Fine, peace with that. But no. No. Five touchdowns. Five touchdown loss. 
I'm still pretty comfortable with worst game I've ever seen in person. I'm I'm very comfortable saying that. And I know it's it might be a little hyperbole because it's so fresh in my mind still, but when you combine the expectations of that football team, when you combine the lack of quality in terms of their play on the other side of the field, the team they were facing. Even if it's a short week, that was an absolutely abhorrent performance. And I'm still comfortable saying the worst one I've ever borne personal witness to. Maybe there was a worse one I wasn't there for personally. I've watched just about every WSU football game in the last 11 years though. And can't remember a worse one when you combine everything. So it's probably just easier to do what we should be doing with this and just not talk about it anymore and move on to the next game. It is, it, that is, this game will be the Voldemort of football games. The Voldemort of, you know, the game that shall not be named. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, as you can tell. <laughs> I think I got to like the fourth book, got like halfway through it and just never read the rest. Not like I didn't like it or anything. I just, eh, didn't care to. You know, it's whatever. The movies are good. Um, before we move on to the Colorado game, I do want to thank um, Cal Athletics. Though, and I know this sounds weird, uh, but I have a friend who works in the department down there. They treated me very well down there. I got a, down on the field a couple of times, uh, even after the game, which was fun to be out for the rush and I had to walk through Greek Row. That was great. Um, uh, but the club level up there is great. The remodel on that stadium, really fantastic. Even if they're going to be paying for it for a century, uh, it really is fantastic. And I just everybody I met there is so nice and so great and Cal's a team I could root for in the Pac-12 if I didn't have an allegiance to my football team. So, yeah. So, just thanks to everybody at Cal. Very nice this weekend. And I appreciate, even after the game when we were at the bar uh, talking to all of them, uh, they were all very nice to me and go, yeah, we didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> they, no, I know they didn't. Uh, so, let's move on here to uh, the Colorado Buffaloes. Um a team that um, you know I'm I'm still pretty worried about because they still have Philip Lindsay, you still have Steven Montez, you have guys like Bryce Bobo, Shea Fields, Devin Ross, who uh, Brian Howell from BuffZone.com is going to tell you about uh, here in a little bit. And when you combine that with the weather in Pullman expected this weekend for homecoming, uh, wind, rain, and 44, uh, even though you have a Washington State team who's probably going to be playing pretty angry uh, based off that performance last. Friday in Berkeley. Um, again, it just to me it primes you for another another upset. And maybe again, that's just my mentality after that game, but it 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 doesn't set up well. When you have Philip Lindsay, who's a very good running back, when you have Steven Montez who can run the ball too, uh, and when you have a WSU football team with Luke Falk who Obviously struggled in the passing game a little bit uh, last weekend, and that is what they primarily like to do. And in the rain, they don't perform the best. We saw that against UCLA last year. And we saw that a little bit against Colorado the year before, where they just, in the rain, not great. Not very good when it's raining outside. And it is going to be doing that on Saturday. Every indication is it's probably going to be some pretty heavy rain, some wind, not terribly pleasant uh, to be in. So, how do you respond to this? How do you respond to a Colorado team who defensively is not 
what they were last year. Just 10 sacks on the season through seven games. They're not good against rushers. They're not good against running backs. They're terrible in the, you know, defending the run. So can you get James Williams going for the first time this year? Can you get Gerard Wicks going? Can Jamal Morrow continue to keep up his excellent senior season? Can you get those three really involved in the offense on a day when you're probably going to need to run the ball a lot? Can you do that? Can you hold Philip Lindsay? Can you keep him to about 100 to 110 yards of rushing? I think if you can do that against Philip Lindsay, you, you, you've had a good day. Can this defense get back to being what it has been the last, you know, the six weeks previous to that Cal game? Can they get back to being that? So much of that game was an aberration. It's just, it, it's hard to take too much from it, but it's hard to not feel a little unconfident in the football team after that. I think they're going to come out with their hair on fire. I think they're going to come out pissed off. I hope they come out really pissed off. But we'll see. That remains to be seen. Still worried because, you know, again, that sucked. (laughs) But Colorado's a very beatable football team. Won their first conference game last weekend and they had to scrape by Oregon State to do it. An Oregon State team, I have no doubt, was playing a little up because of the adversity they'd faced earlier in the week. But they had to battle to get past the Beavs. And the Beavs are a very bad football team. And they got to go on the road again this week. WSU gets an advantage of having an extra day off to prepare for them to rest up a little bit. Canceled Sunday practice to let the players rest too. And seems like they need it. A little time to heal, a little time to get well. They need, need to win this football game. Because I think we thought at the start of the season, this was kind of the easier part of their schedule. Cal, Colorado, Arizona. These were kind of three games that, not necessarily that you were going to cruise through, but that you should win. And boy, did they not win that Cal game. And Khalil Tate down in Tucson Tucson scares the bejesus out of me. I will say John Wilner called this. He literally said WSU was going to win its first six games and lose to Cal. And at the time, I thought he was insane. Now I think he's clairvoyant. <laughs> like, now, now, I want, now I want to talk to him to ask about my future. What, what, what does my palm say about my future? It says you will have a lot to drink in Pullman on Saturday. Wow, that's... What a prediction. Got to get back on track against this, against this football team. It's a much, not, not nearly as good of a football team as you saw last year in Boulder. But still one that can obviously jump up and bite you with Philip Lindsay and a pretty good receiving core, but a defense that is obviously down. So can you get the running game going against them? I think this game, this game is going to be low scoring, I think. And it might look a lot like the Oregon game last year where WSU is just happy to take the yardage on the ground that Colorado is going to give them. But a win would be lovely. Because if not, you got to roll down a Tucson deal with Khalil Tate, who is just an absolute monster behind center for Arizona. Got to get back on track here. Really got to do it. Because the last month of the season, 
Boy, is it looking really hard. Boy, does Stanford Utah UW look pretty difficult. Pretty not easy. Gotta get back on track here. And I know I'm saying it a lot, but maybe if I keep saying it, they'll do it. Brian Howell from BuffZone.com coming up next. You're on the Group Center Hour. Center Hour. We've done enough talking about the AD search and last week against Cal and just let's let's just put that all that behind us and we have a very good person to do it with Brian Howell of BuffZone.com here to talk about the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, Brian snapped a three-game losing streak last weekend in Corvallis. A squeaker against the Beavs but I, I kind of thought they'd play up a little bit after losing Gary Anderson uh, earlier in the week. I think teams have a tendency to do that uh at this point in the season uh four and three how are things looking from your perspective for this team so far in 2017 yeah you know first off to to kill off what you just said oregon state probably played its best game you know i i actually had a chance to see oregon state in their opener because they played at colorado state Mm -hmm. and uh you know it was a rough one there uh they played probably their best game against colorado and as you said to be expected i mean they kind of rallied around that coach and um, so kudos to Colorado uh, for going out there and getting a win. I mean, you look at around the Pac-12 and, um, you know, some of the teams we thought were at the bottom, Cal, ASU, they both uh, come up with huge wins. Colorado uh, gets a win. So it was a big deal for Colorado. Uh, the fans certainly, uh, you know, are, are, even with that win, are a little skeptical about this team, you know, losing three straight and then barely beating what has been the worst team in the Pac-12. So mm-hmm. uh, but I think for the team, um, it was some relief to get that victory and, and uh, certainly got the, the monkey off their back a little bit and uh, let them breathe a little easier this week. But um, certainly for the, for the fan base, I'm not sure last week's win did a lot to uh, promote a lot of confidence. I want to get to the defense in a minute because I think that's probably the unit of more concern for the team, you, fans, etc. But talk about the offense a little bit, an offense that put up 38 points against WSU last year. They still have a lot of pieces uh, on that offense, they don't have Sefa Lufau, but they do have Steven Montez. We saw a little bit of last year when Lufau was hurt. How's he performing so far this year? 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, pretty decent completion rate. But are we getting about what we expected out of him? Yeah, I think so. And uh, <clears throat> uh, Steven's a, just a, a redshirt sophomore quarterback, still a young player uh, in his first year as a starter. And um, I really expected him to have some growing pains this year, and he has. Um, but he's played well. Um, I think considering his youth and experience, he's played very well. And he's been, to me, one of the least of their problems. Um, you know, he had, he had, I think it was three interceptions against Washington mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Pac-12 opener, including a pick six. Well, that, since that pick six, he hasn't thrown an interception. So he's played well. Uh, was off the mark for about three quarters the other day against uh, Oregon State. And then played a really good fourth quarter and uh, led them back to the victory. So he's played pretty well. Uh, their offense has kind of evolved, and um, they've, they've become more 
of that running offense leading on Philip Lindsay, mm-hmm. but Stevens played pretty well. You know, you mentioned Philip Lindsay, and actually that was kind of my next question because I, you know, how much are they leaning on him? He cracked the thousand yard mark uh, against Oregon State, so he's already at four digits in terms of his rushing yardage uh, so far this season. And I, you know, Cook fans knew him last year. He toured WSU a new one in Boulder. Uh, how much? How much are they leaning on him this year? You know, especially because you mentioned Montez still a redshirt sophomore, so could use that help from a really productive running back like Lindsay. Yeah, they're leaning on him quite a bit. I mean, two weeks ago against Arizona, a game that they lost, um, he had 41 rushing attempts, which was Jeez. a school record. Uh, last week he had 28. Uh, they only ran, I think, 66 offensive plays. 28 were uh, him running the ball. Um, so he's he was leading the country in rushing attempts going into last week, and I think he's now third. So they're leading on him quite a bit. Now, this is a player that early in his career, because of his size, he's only 5'8", 190, uh, there are a lot of question marks whether he could ever be that guy who could be a, a 20 to 25 carry guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's now one of the leaders in the country in rushing attempts. So uh, they're leaning on him quite a bit. Um, and credit to him, he's answering the bell. I mean, uh, you know, two, 281 two weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, 185 rushing the other day. So he's answering it pretty well and, and playing well. So Lindsey's not the only threat offensively for the Buffs. I mean, obviously he's the one guy they're kind of leaning on right now. Montez still has a lot of receivers that were there last year to lean on. You have Devin Ross, who... Toward WSU, a new one, Jay McIntyre, Shea Fields, Bryce Bobo, maybe the best of the bunch. How involved in this offense are they? I know they're not averaging a ton of yards per game, but they still seem to be a threat to do some damage uh, when Colorado wants them to. Yeah, you know, it's been a weird year for that receiving group that uh, we thought coming into the year was one of the best in the country. Uh, you know, most of the magazines, when they ranked their position rankings, had Colorado receivers. Uh, in the top five in the country, some one of them had a number two, mm-hmm. and so that group was expecting some big things, and really they haven't delivered in that. You know, Shea Fields uh, is one of the leading receivers. He'll finish his career, you know, top two or three in, in receptions, yards, and touchdowns in CU history. He hasn't had more than 42 yards in any Pac-12 game. Devin Ross hasn't caught a pass in either of the last two games even though he's played in both, uh, both games. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither of them has a touchdown catch in Pac-12 play. Um, Bryce Bobo has been the one to step up and um, had a big game last week, and he's been the biggest threat. I'm, I'm expecting <coughs> Rock and Fields to bust out at some point, but really so far in Pac-12 play, it's been Bobo and Jay McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the defense, because I think obviously that's a bigger area of concern because things have taken a, a turn for the worse. Definitely you lose Jim Levitt, the defensive coordinator to Oregon. Tons of graduations. Uh, Jadobia Wuzier, the probably chief among them, got drafted stud cornerback last year for Colorado. Uh, what has been the biggest issue, though, for this defense this year? I mean, you know, is it, it, is it just a combination of everything, or is there one underlying thing that's kind of been a big problem? Well, I think, I think they're hurt by, you know, as much as they lost. I mean, they lost eight starters and ten major contributors plus three assistant, three of their four assistant coaches. But mm-hmm. really the biggest issue has been that run defense and the defensive line. You know, they lost all three starters from the defensive line from a year ago and uh, just haven't played particularly well. They were okay the first few games of the season, but their big nose tackle, Javier Edwards, who has been a little shaky, but he's, he's 350 pounds. He's a big dude. Um, he's been out uh, with an injury the last uh, game and a half. And, uh, you know, him being out – has really impacted their run defense. They don't have anybody uh, with that type of size, and they're just getting pushed around all over the place. And so um, Oregon State ran all over CU. Uh, 
Arizona did too. Of course, Khalil Tate, we're seeing what he's doing lately. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. not, that's not really a surprise that when you see what he's doing. No, I think, I, think, I think they get a pass on that one, I think, yeah. Yeah, they get a little bit of a pass, but, but still, man, I mean, you know, he came in as a backup that night and rushed for an FBS record 327, so they're still stinging from that. But that's been the biggest issue is really that run defense. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting any pass rush. I mean, they've got one sack in four Pac-12 games, and that was for a one-yard loss against Josh Rosen. So mm-hmm. um, they're not getting any pass rush, and their run defense has not been very good. So combine those two things, and it adds up to not very good defense. You keep just leading me into my next questions, which is it's like we're on, we got like ESP <laughs> or something here. Uh, you mentioned just the one sack in four Pac-12 games, 10 sacks overall this year, just 30 tackles for a loss up front. I know the problem has been for WSU here recently, especially last week against California, the cure for what ails a bad pass rush seems to be so far this year facing Luke Falk in that offensive line a little bit. Do you have any confidence they can kind of get off the schneid, so to speak, against this offensive line? Or do you kind of anticipate the same struggles given that it's been just one sack in the last four games? Yeah, I tell you, sitting in the, the hotel room the other night in Corvallis watching uh, Cal against Washington State, you had to get confidence. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, watching the, them, I mean, Falk just kept getting hit all night long. And while Colorado doesn't, hasn't, had a lot of sacks. They are getting some hurries, and so that's where I think that maybe they can get something going this week. They put pressure on the quarterback a little bit and uh, forced some bad throws. Uh, watch out for the, the inside linebacker Drew Lewis. Doesn't have any sacks this year, but I don't know how many times he's hit the quarterback. That he's just right there and disrupts the throw and hits the quarterback the second he gets mm-hmm. rid of it. And he, in fact, they had one the other day against Oregon State where him hitting the quarterback caused an interception. So it wasn't a sack, but he got in there and hit the quarterback. And um, I think they're, that they've got some people that can do it. And when you watch that offensive line of, of Washington State, I think that there's going to be some opportunities for Colorado to get some sacks. Now you mentioned eight starters gone, almost a dozen big contributors gone too. But I, you know, this defense is obviously still going to have a strength. Every defense does. What is this defense's big strength? If it's not stopping the run and getting, you know, getting sacks, is it pass defense? What is their big strength? Yeah, pass defense, I would say, is their strength. And they're led there by Isaiah Oliver, who I think is one of the best cornerbacks in America and, and underrated. Um, he was probably their best cover corner last year, even with Chido Awuzie and Akella Witherspoon, who were both NFL draft picks. He was probably their best cover corner last year. So he's really good, and he leads that pass defense. Uh, they get Trey Udofia back this week from an injury, uh, who's been a starter for him this year and played pretty well. They've got seniors that are playing uh, at safety with uh, Fo Laguda and Ryan Moeller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Worthington's a junior who has been uh, – he, he was suspended all of last year, came back this year, and has been one of their best, their best players on defense. So um, their secondary is pretty good. So if they can get any kind of pass rush, I think that CU's got a, a good chance in this game. Mm-hmm. Give me uh, just a kind of a general idea of where fans are with four and three right now. I mean, obviously it's not the success of last season where Colorado went to the Pac-12 championship game, lost that, then went to the Alamo Bowl. We're not there, probably won't be getting there, but are fans okay with this given, uh, you know, I don't want to say defections, but just everything that Colorado lost in the offseason, you know, not the least of which was their incredible defensive coordinator. Is everybody kind of okay with four and three? No, not really. No? (laughs) (laughs) Fans are funny, though, because fans are often, you know, I mean, this is the way they're supposed to be. I mean, they're fanatics, and um, they see last year, and that's what they want. I mean, they want 
you know, the fans around here, they, they remember 1990 when they won the national title, and they remember all the great years, and they think that that's what Colorado is, when that's really not what they are right now. I mean, they, you know, 10 straight losing seasons before last year, I think sometimes the fans uh, need to be, be a little bit more realistic. So I think there's a there's the fanatic part, portion of the fans that, you know, are really disappointed, and there's been a lot of, you know, talk this week, even after the win, they need to fire uh, DJ Elliott, their first-year defense coordinator. It's time to fire McIntyre after all this. So there, there's that faction of fans, uh, you know, that are really disappointed with it. But I think in a realistic way, you have to look at Colorado and say that if, and if they can just get to a bowl game, that's a good season coming off of last year mm-hmm. when last year kind of came out of nowhere. And when you lose as much as they did and you have kind of a tumultuous offseason, I think a bowl game is still a pretty good season for this program and, and can keep them going in the right direction. Uh, wet and windy is the forecast for Saturday night in Pullman, calling for winds over 20 miles an hour, lots of rain. I'm going to be having a great time sitting in the stands with all my Gore-Tex on. Uh, but if you had to give a prediction, uh, I know we're early in, the, early in the week right now, but uh, just kind of an area final score, uh, what you think is going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think Washington State's the better team, and I also think uh, they're going to come come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after what happened to them last week. And, and playing at home is a big deal. I know I you know, went to Martin Stadium two years ago, and it's even though it's a small stadium, the atmosphere is great there. And I think for the night games, it's, it's, uh, it really helps them out. I think Washington State wins this game. I'm going to go about 35-24. It's a good answer, and and they cover. That's the important thing for those of you who like to spend money on these kind of things, That's like right. me. Brian Howell from BubZone.com. Check out his coverage all week leading up to the game. Brian, thank you very much, sir. No problem. I just said sure, not sir. Wow, go me. Thunderhead of the week. What a week. <laughs> what a weekend. Uh, this this isn't a specific jab at, at uh, Southwest Airlines because they, in fact, they let me uh, move up my flight for free on Saturday uh, to an earlier time uh, as part of a thing where they were helping people out trying to leave the Bay Area during the fire zone. They were still very tragic, and if you can donate, I know GoFundMe has a list of uh, places you can do it, uh, and I think the Napa Valley Foundation, something around the name of that, a community foundation, I think, uh, is also taking donations, and I encourage you to do that if you can. Um, but just kind of the general crappiness of the weekend, so I don't know who the Dunderhead is here, maybe it's just like the football gods or the traveling gods, uh, but I switched, because originally my flight was going to leave at 8.30 at night on Saturday night. Uh, so I switched to one at six, you know, get out of there a little earlier, get home, maybe be able to watch some football, uh, by the time I got home, uh, and my flight got delayed, uh, two hours and ten minutes, so twenty minutes before I was originally supposed to leave. And it got delayed once I got to the airport, at the time I should have to get on that plane. So I had to sit at the airport for four hours, four and a half hours, 
I mean, there are worse places to be stuck in the world than the Oakland airport, and I fed myself. You know, I got more. Well, fed myself. I went to Subway. I didn't, like, slaughter a pig or anything. <laughs> it's just, like... So, me, the Dunderhead, traveling gods of Dunderhead, I don't know. Like, I, like, I, I don't blame, like, whatever. There was a mechanical problem with the plane. Happens. Whatever. That's fine. Totally get it. But, like, just a little cherry on top. Little cherry on top of the poopy weekend. Look at how poopy your weekend was. There's a little cherry on top of it. That was an unpleasant sound, and I'm sorry. That was a very unpleasant, I'm not going to edit it out, but that was a very unpleasant sound, and I apologize for that. Ask Michael anything time. Ask Michael anything. This wasn't a question, but Pappy's in uh, Berkeley. It's a pretty good bar to uh, pregame at. Decent drink price, especially for Bay Area. I was expecting a lot more expensive, but... Didn't get too much. At Vince G 55 Vince Grippy, if an athletic director candidate thinks In-N-Out is overrated, should they be disqualified? Answer yes or else. Uh, if they think the burgers are overrated, yes. I have said multiple times I think their fries are overrated at In-N-Out. I, I love the burgers down there, though. Love them. At Bubba Crowley, with Moose gone, who picks uni combos in the future? Fan vote each week. Now, I don't think you're going to do a fan vote each week, but uh, I, you know, I don't know who picks. I assume John Johnson will pick them. I, I guess him. There you go. At Jeff Harris 2012, honest opinion, do you think Leach stays for the long term or leave? I don't think he's going anywhere. After, my gut says he's not going anywhere after this season. My gut is so all over the place though, in terms of right or wrong. Uh, I just, you know, unless he really thinks that his roster is in trouble and he thinks he can bolt and go elsewhere, but he just doesn't seem like that kind of guy. If he's comfy somewhere, he's going to stay there. So I, I think that, you know, important to get somebody hired here relatively quick, even if they only think they can do it by February 1st. And as I said earlier, the biggest disaster that can happen is that he leaves and John Johnson has to hire a new coach who then will not be the new AD's coach. So that, to me, I think... If his relationship is as good with Schultz as we've heard it is, then they should be in good shape. Especially if Schultz can do whatever he can to make him happy. He's like, hey, just, you know, stay with me, Wool. And Schultz said, we're going to keep him informed. So, I think he stays. Uh, at Ben Wyman. Ben Wyman, what was your favorite recess activity as a kid? Kickball. I friggin' loved kickball. That was my game. I loved kickball. Especially indoors. I could, like, we had, like, this wood latticing on the top half of the gym and you had to hit it up there for a home run I could do it every time I was like the Aaron Judge of elementary school indoor kickball uh, I either struck out or I hit a home run at WSU Brady he's got three questions I'm only going to answer two that's your limit that's your limit oh no he just does have two questions I was going to mention River Creek I've got signed by the Broncos you're right I need to mention that uh, what are your favorite home and away uniform combos bonus question favorite non-WSU uniform uh, favorite home is the all concrete gray now that that's gone gray anthracite gray uh, away I really like just the Crimson helmet, white top, white pants. Clean look. Also gray, white, gray. I love that combo. Uh, NBA season starts tonight, including Champ Clay, but he was on the Cal sideline all night Friday. Should we be mad? Uh, no, because I actually was on the WSU sideline last part of the game, and I was standing right behind him. So I don't think he was over there all night. It's, that field's kind of weird. It's just kind of wherever you know you can get to. Oh, and favorite uniform other than the Cougs, Hawaii's throwbacks. Love Hawaii's throwbacks so very much. At State of Liberty 5, MJ Vega, what conference do you want to see the Cougs play against? I'd love a fun belt or a Maction game. 
something like that, like a weeknight game. Although I, you know, I don't. That that, that they do that's conference games mostly, I think. But I would love like a fun belt or a matching game, just out of pure, just uh, <laughs> just out of pure selfishness on that one. I wouldn't want to have to travel to that school, but that's kind of the way things are going in the NCAA. We've talked about before, you know, how expensive it is just to do a one-off, so you kind of got to travel to the other school, and that's fine. They had that game with Central Michigan a couple years ago that got axed, probably going to Mount Pleasant. Probably not the easiest thing in the world. All right, we'll talk to you later this week on the Coop Center. Homecoming this weekend. If you don't have your tickets yet, close to being sold out, so make sure you get them. We'll see you in Pullman.